Hello and welcome to the Anfield Talk podcast after Liverpool are back at the top of the table, where we belong, after beating Spurs and Crystal Palace this week. Today I'm joined with Robson. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well, mate. Looking forward to it. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. We've uh, we've been a bit lazy at the Anfield Talk, but we're, <laughs> we're back on it again to get you through this uh, Christmas period. And making your return as well is Ryan. How are you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you all doing? It's like it's like Liverpool squad, isn't it? Everyone's been gone for a while, and now yeah. everyone's back at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone making their way back. I've seen some of you in training and stuff like that, getting, uh, <laughs> doing some ball work and all of that kind of stuff. Good to have you guys back. All right, so it's uh, it's been a really really positive week this week. Um, obviously, the on Saturday we we absolutely batter Crystal Palace seven nil with some of the best finishing that we've probably seen in in a while. Uh, following on from uh, Wednesday, where you know we we score a last minute winner against our closest title rivals at the time, but now I think they're like tenth or something like that, <laughs> something crazy like that. But yeah, um, Ryan, I'm going to come to you first, like. What's your general thoughts about the past two games and, and how everything's gone so far? Yeah, I think the two games, in the circumstances that the opposition would give us, I don't think they could have gone any better, really. Like against Tottenham, I think we controlled it. We controlled pretty much the entire game, apart from a couple of counter-attacks that they managed to score one from. Mm-hmm. And then Palace, it's never going to be an easy game at Selhurst Park, but we managed to make it um, an easy game. Um it might be an unpopular opinion, but I feel like we played better in the Tottenham game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the scorelines probably make you feel why the hell are you saying that, but mm-hmm. I think the, um, the, the opposition and the um, the context of the game, I thought, it, I, I'd say it impressed me a lot more than I expected it to, um, the Tottenham game. And then the Palace game, after a certain point, you're like, okay, no, nah, they're just there for the taking now. Mm. But, yeah, both games very professional, very good performances. Would you say that we we played better in the Spurs game, but we just finished better in the Palace game? I guess. Yeah, because even even in the Palace game, like it wasn't just like a, um, just an easy route over them. Like I think after the first goal, they put quite a lot of pressure on us, and and were probably unlucky to score themselves. But we managed mm-hmm. to come through that tough period of the game that people might have forgotten about because of the scoreline. So. Mm-hmm. In that regard, it was it was well played um, there too. But yeah, I, the Tottenham game's edging it for me a little bit. Yeah, and Robson, I'm gonna come to you on this in terms of, I mean, we talk about that Spurs game, but how 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 much better was it because Mourinho was being a bitch at the end? How much uh, how much satisfaction did you take from it? Oh God, mate, uh, I was and. <laughs> I was stood up against the telly, two fingers up on both hands, laughing and <laughs> crying and giving it six nothing. Because <laughs> I just, I'm sick of that bloke ruining everything for us. And now he's finally got a bit of payback. Like he was involved in everything in 13, 14, and he's had our number for, for, for ages. Every single time we play him, he always, you know, he plays for that nil nil draws and everything like that. And it's, it's infuriating to watch. And his game plan came within seconds of, of coming off and he'd have been so smug. And to see just everything that unfolded afterwards, it was just... And then Bobby getting the goal as well. Just everything about it was absolutely perfect. Having said that, I don't know about you two, but when the goal went in, I didn't even 
celebrate it really because I was like, they'll find a way to rule it out. I seen Eric Dyer go down on the on the edge of the box. I was like, I'm not celebrating it. I'm not celebrating it. They'll find a way to rule it out. They'll, they'll steal another win off her. They'll, they'll, they'll take another one off her. And then it was given and I was absolutely elated when that full-time whistle went. It's such a big result for the team. And I think it's like, I, I thought at the time, I was like, oh, this is going to give us a lot of confidence. And then going into Saturday's game, where I think in the first half, um, other than like the three goals and when we were only 1-0 up, I thought we were pretty poor. Uh, Palace really seemed to be, be going for it. And I was thinking, oh, no, I don't want a, a 1-1 to sort of take it away from from Wednesday night's game. Um, but then we got the other two goals and obviously everything just panned out from there on. But uh, I was impressed with Palace. I didn't think we were like pretty bad. I just thought Palace were, were really good. Um, but mm. you know it, it 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 paid off, and I think of all the teams in the Premier League to beat seven nil, Palace, other than the obvious choices, is is one that I'd like to. Because again, they're another team that seem to have had our number over the years. They try to ruin they ruined Gerrard's last game at Anfield, um, and Ben Teke, they were the last team to obviously beat us at Anfield as well. Ben Teke scoring twice and stuff like that. So to just get one over on them is is good. So do you, do you guys feel like um, this weekend, like the past two um, results that we had, do you feel like it's kind of, it's it's sent out a statement? Because one of the things about the Spurs game, especially like, and, and then obviously the Crystal Palace game, after getting that last minute winner, um, you know, um, do you think that it's kind of like broken Spurs a little bit? Like, because we've seen that they've, uh, they, they've gone and lost to um, Leicester, as well, and now they're kind of like gone fifth. And before that Spurs game, they were on Wednesday. It looked like they were going to be our main title rivals. Um, do you think that it's kind of like these these two kind of performances have have left their mark on our rivals as much as what it's done in terms of our confidence? Um, I I think it kind of I don't know how much that result had has an effect on Spurs. I mean, it obviously must like to lose in that fashion against the your title rivals must have. An effect on you, but Spurs have been doing this for years. It's just very Spursy, really. Um, I think Roy, Roy Keane referred to that yesterday as well. That um, it's it's just something that they do. I mean, they finished third in a two-horse race uh, a few mm. seasons ago as well. Um, but I mean, the, what uh, what I think about the entire thing is is we've kind of been written off from moment one this season. You know, Everton won the league uh, in the first couple of games, um, and then. Uh, Leicester, Leicester, they and, and Aston Villa both won the title as well before that. Um, <laughs> as you would think, anyway, the way the media were going on, and we just got written off. And I think the Villa game probably had a lot to do with that. Um, but we've just been, you know, chugging along the entire time behind these teams with a, a worse goal difference and clawing these goals back and getting these wins. And now suddenly it's got to Christmas, and I know it's not. Um, we're not 19 games in like normal, but. We're at Christmas and we're four points clear and should be eight points clear if we hadn't been robbed at Everton and um, and Brighton. Mm. So um, I don't think it's even I don't think it's really had as much an effect on us. We've just played our game the entire season and we are where we are because we've we've got them results. But I think it is now everyone everyone's just kind of realised that we haven't had a bad season like the media has made out and that we're we've just kind of to other teams and to other fans I think we've just popped up out of nowhere and are suddenly four points clear and it could be a lot worse for them you know we could have already have ran away with this title if we were eight points clear now like we should be that's it it's over there's no no one's catching after that point now it's going to keep it competitive for a while um, but 
I think I can't see us dropping four points and other teams making it up. If you get what I mean, like I think if we if we win one like a two more on weekends where the other teams have um, have poor weekends, then it's 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 ours. What do yeah. you think? There's that Russell Westbrook meme that goes around saying it's going to be scary, but not for us. I yeah, think that's what it's, that's the kind of impression that other teams must be getting because if there was a time in the last couple of years when Liverpool looked like they weren't going to make it to May in a title race, it would have been this year with the injuries we faced early on. But mm-hmm. it's like down to Klopp and the coaching staff and the uh, mentality they've instilled into the squad. We just don't let up no matter what the situ- the circumstances are. Like some of the results we were getting, like immediately after Van Dijk got injured, I think it was the Leicester game where it was the first like, oh shit, we really are down to the bare bones of the squad. When I think Cater's first game back from an injury and Curtis Jones both started together with one out in the midfield, and everyone's like, bloody hell, that midfield's just going to be like non-existent defensively. But it was arguably our best performance of the season up to that point. And a lot of people were saying this Liverpool team, you can take. Henderson, Van Dijk, whoever out of the team, you just watch them, and it's as if they're playing their strongest eleven every single time. Like it, I don't, I don't know where other teams can be getting any belief from at this point, because we're, I think if, I, I don't know if it's Leicester and Man United with the games in hand, but if they win them, we're still mm. um, two points um, clear, and they have to win those games for it to be only two points clear. Um, yeah, United beat Leicester six two yesterday, and if they, Leeds. yeah, sorry, Leeds, sorry, yeah, if they if they win their game in hand, they they're only two points behind. You guys yeah. don't see. So in terms of our rivals, I guess the question is, do you guys see any of them keeping up with us in any way, shape, or form? We're just at that stage in the Oli cycle where um, they're they're at the point where Rio's clapping his hands and going, "Oh, we're back." Um, by the end of January, they'll be they'll be back to wanting them sacked again. They just keep going through this cycle. I mean, I don't know if any of you watched the game yesterday, but they were terrible defensively. Leeds were worse, but United mm. were a shambles at the back. Yeah, and um, that will continue because they they haven't got a very good coach in charge, and they'll leak goals and they'll they'll drop points. I noticed they I think they play on the second of January. And then they don't play again until the 17th, and that game's us. So they're going to have a lot of time to prepare for that game. But I imagine, um, so we, I presume that there's the FA Cup games in between. Um, mm. But we'll we'll not take that seriously. We're playing, so that'll be a, a very weekend team, I think. Um, but I think my, yeah, United will still take it pretty seriously. So I think we'll have a lot longer for the players to rest and hopefully we'll have some people back by then. Hopefully Thiago is back for that game. Seeing Thiago ball against Man United in that game will be absolute joy if he is back by that point. Oh my god. Seeing him put in like a ten out of ten performance against them would be would make my season. Yeah, and the the thing as always like against the likes of United and City and whoever, if if any of those teams beat us, they're just as likely to lose to a eighteenth place team the next week. Mm. And with us, I feel if we win our players get the get the mindset like good. We're just gonna keep going, keep going, keep going. And if we lose, the players would be, at, like I like I think Klopp uses the word angry a lot, where yeah, they just yeah. just relentless the week after to make up for for what's happened, and then they just keep going again after that. So yeah, 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 I'm not really scared of anybody. 
I think it would give, give me a bit of fear of City, but they'd look pretty awful this season. So I don't think they'll be serious contenders come May. I think I'm surprised that they don't want Pep gone, to be honest. I'm starting to see fans turn. Like, mm. I've seen a few say, okay, well, maybe this is the, the year that we'll see how it goes. And if not, we don't want him next season. But they've just given a new contract, though, haven't they? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, Twitter fans don't get the decisions in the end, do they? Yeah. <laughs> to make them, but yeah. I mean, um, I, I was I happy to see him get the contract, personally. Yeah. I seen Gary Neville was saying as well. Um, I think it must have been tonight on Monday Night Football that uh, he's convinced that Liverpool have already won the league and that they'll start to pull away more after mm. this weekend. Now that shift from the, what the media were saying only a few weeks ago that we'd collapsed and we were awful, like that is literally the way they were portraying us, like that we we weren't any good. We've had all these injuries and we haven't coped very well with it. Yeah. Um, and now suddenly they're getting back to that narrative where they, they'll be very surprised if we don't win the league. Um, yeah. It's it's just kind of predictable, really, that they they jump and choose to fit their agenda, and um, because they'll go back to it being a poor league or something if we do win it this season. Just going back to the Pep thing, um, the only thing I would say about the Man City thing is where do you go after Pep? Yeah, like, that's, who do you get? Like, that comes in after Pep. Um, that's the only thing that really kind Steven of Steven Gerrard <laughs> maybe maybe that, that could be a possibility like a young manager that's but but then you're completely rebuilding again um, so that's the only thing that confuses me with City I agree I think that they they're they're, they're really poor especially attacking wise I think the defence has showed up a bit but attacking wise they like they get to like the edge of the box and they're just like like you know how before with Pep it's like it, it just kind of Everything flows. It's quick, you know. They they just know what they're doing. It's like it's like they're robots in the way that they play. Yeah. Now they get to that edge of the box, and it's it's like it's stuttering. Decision making is poor. The even the technique, whatever they're doing, everything is is really 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 quite poor. So um, it's because they don't they don't have a an, a start in eleven. They pick and choose and swap their team so often. Yeah. That they can't. They can't get any real rhythm, and they, of course they win games because they've got an individual brilliance in their team. You know, as much as I don't really like him, Sterling's great. Um, mm. I mean, you've got like Jesus can get you a couple of goals. Obviously, De Bruyne is just pulling strings for everyone, and he can he can make anyone look good. But they just they're so disjointed. They change their defense every week. Their midfield. I mean, I had Fodden in my fantasy football team, and I just never seemed to be playing. Um, but then, but then sometimes he, he is, and he comes on, and he scores twice, and stuff like that. And they, they have this big squad, but they they don't use it the way they used to. So they used to have a big squad, and then if players would get injured, one player would come in, and it would it would be pretty seamless. Whereas now they're so disjointed in the way they pep picks teams. Um, I don't know if it's just Klopp got him rattled last season or something like that, but he literally doesn't seem to be able to like put together a start in 11 it's always disjointed and I think that's why they're, they're struggling because they can't get any real rhythm yeah um, it's funny the words you said as um, robots and they're poor offensively yeah. Um, yeah. if they were to get Haaland in the summer yeah. I think that would be a really big transfer for them and De Bruyne and Haaland together would be terrifying absolutely yeah. terrifying De Bruyne playing balls into him I think, I think one that of the, really, really but but like annoys me about City is whenever we've had good players and stuff, they're always kind of touted to go elsewhere. I would love De Bruyne just to leave and go to Barcelona or Real Madrid and see how much they struggle. 
What is he? He join us on death row, man. Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> imagine him uh, in in our team. It'd be pretty crazy. Him playing both uh, Salah and oh my god. Yeah, I wanna I wanna go back to you know some of the standout performance from the past week in terms of Liverpool. Um, I think one of the ones that's really kind of reached his uh, I guess kind of his redemption story. Uh, Bobby Firmino. Obviously, he gets the winner in the last minute uh, against Spurs. And then he he, he he puts on a masterclass against Crystal Palace. I just wanted to, to kind of, I guess, just go into that a little bit. And I'm going to start with you, Ryan. Uh, sorry, Robson, I'll come to you on this one because I know how much you love Bobby. So. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, Naz. <laughs> it really um, feels like he's gone back to carnival football. You know, I, I refer back to an earlier podcast where I said he hasn't really got his um, his Brazilian samba at the moment. But I feel like the signs are there. And I, I remember bringing up the stats saying, like, you know, he hasn't actually had that bad of a start of the season, like what people are going on about in terms of numbers. Like he had a few assists and he had a few couple of goals. And um, I think that literally the game after that, he did some sort of trick and megged someone. And I was like, ooh, it's starting to come back. And then, of course, over the past week or so, he really, really gained some confidence which is all I think he needed. And everything came back on Saturday, you know, the megs, the all the skills and everything like that. It was an absolute joy to watch. And everyone had written him off. And if, even people on this podcast have said, like, no, I want rid of him and stuff. And I was always like, he's so close to my heart. And I was very sentimental about Bobby and stuff. And I was like, oh, no, I think we should just, you know, give him a chance this season and just see what happens. And now... Well, so who, who, said, who said that they wanted to get rid of him? Who was it? Um, we need to name and shame. We, Oh, it was, was it me? Uh, no, it, it wasn't you. It definitely wasn't you. Um, I can't. I can't remember. It, it sounds well, like a Charlie. Thing Charlie, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Charlie is. Yeah, I, I am. I think it is. I think it was Charlie. But to be fair, I, I don't think Charlie likes anyone on, no, uh, in the team. <laughs> he's not even more miserable than me. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. So so anyway. So I was like, I was just praying that this would happen, and now it's back and. Football fans are fickle. Everyone knows that. And everyone loves them again. And I'm just happy for that. You know, and I think a massive thing about this is getting the fans back because he ha- he hasn't been himself. And then he played last weekend. He thrives off it, doesn't he? And the and the cop was singing his name. And it was almost as if that was the that was it. He he turned back into old Bobby. And um and you know, I think it is hard for players not having the fans there. And maybe Bobby's one of them who's, who plays off the fans and gets that confidence from that and thrives off that because he wants to impress people with the ball um, and pull off these little skills. What's the point doing it if there's no one there to impress, you know? So maybe that's it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really yeah. happy for him and I, I love Bobby. So long may it continue. He scored the same amount of goals as Manny in the league this season as well. Mm. Ryan, what did you think of Bobby's two performances? Uh, obviously, he he runs like when he runs to the crowd against uh, Spurs at Anfield, like you can see some proper emotion. I don't know whether that's Beautiful. because, yeah, because the fans are there, or whether it's just that frustration of, you know, all of those, all of that kind of early criticism. Yeah, like Robson was saying about like the Brazilian samba coming back. Like he's Brazilian; it's in his DNA to put on a show for people, and. Mm. Just like, and his smile is so contagious. Like anyone, just like watching him, like, he put he has a smile on his face on every plays. And when he doesn't have a smile, you almost even when like it's not going for him and he's not smiling, you kind of like just want to put your arm around him and tell him it's going to be okay, kind of thing, because you know how much it means to him. And like like it was like epitomized in the celebration. 
And yeah, I'm just really happy for him because he's it's because Salah and Mane score so many goals, it's like a lot of the limelight isn't on him too much of the time. And mm. when it's not going, people will be like, oh, Mane scored this many goals, it'll be all right. And um, he, he can have almost like a a bit of a break from the criticism till it gets worse. And then with Salah, he, if, oh, if he's not scored in a few mm. games or he scored a lot before that, it's all right. Or with Bobby, because people don't really know what to judge him on for some reason most of the time. Um, it's like he's, he gets criticised very easily. So for him to make this very quick turnaround, it's, it's, it's nice to see. Out of the three, he has the best song, though. So. <laughs> yeah. Quick question for you guys, then, from the Crystal Palace game. Which, which goal was your favourite goal? Ooh. Because for me, let me let me start off, because for me, that's uh, Bobby's first yeah. was just an, a beautiful goal. Like, in terms of, obviously, we, we play it out from, like, the right-back position, and then it ends up going to Robertson, and the pick-out is amazing, the touch is beautiful, and then the confidence to finish is... It's just like it's. It, it was just like it reminded me of uh, seventeen, eighteen uh, Liverpool. Just that yeah. quick, quick, it, decisive kind of football. That was definitely the goal I celebrated the most. I was like, oh my god! And I, I remember t- I tweeted the the meme from Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler meme. Where I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was just. It reminded me loads of the of Sars goal against City last season. Where the, where Trent switched it to Robbo, Robbo played the ball in, and Salah scored a header at the back post. Yeah. Um, and of course, in that game as well, you had Fabinho scoring the long range goal, but but that goal was still a standout one because of the the play. And it was the same on Saturday. I mean, there was some fantastic goals. Of course, there was. We scored seven for God's sake, but that was definitely the standout one for me because it was the confidence, the no luck to put it in. It was just, it was great. And of course, Salah's goal deserves a mention in the second half as well because it was fantastic and Bobby's goals as well um the second one but yeah I think for me I think I agree with you Naz it was definitely that that first Bobby goal that was the most impressive I'd say Ryan what about you yeah I'll have to agree with that and something that I didn't appreciate at the time but after I saw the the different angles afterwards I couldn't believe how good the ball was from Robertson yeah Um, yeah. because the first the first still frame that I saw of it before the pass I was looking at it I said where the hell did the, did the ball go once he passed it who's he, who's, who did he actually give it to because you couldn't actually see a clear pass from that um, frame and then when you see the replay after I just I was, I was a bit in awe of how good the ball was and because of Robertson's quality you know he means it too so mm-hmm. and then for me you know, it, took, it took a touch as well and the touch was so perfect to put it in front of him just to tap, tap it in, and I was, it's beautiful goal. Yeah, definitely. I, I, Robertson's form this uh, at the beginning of the season has been absolutely crazy. I think there's a there's definitely a shout for him being our player of the season so far. Uh, Annoyingly, in terms of consistency, I seen that thing today about the the. I mean, it was just one of them clickbaity kind of teams of this season yeah. so far thing. And Chilwell was in at left back. And I looked at the yeah. stats and I was like, how have they put Chilwell over Robbo? Like, he's been our best player this season on my top of the league. So how can Chilwell possibly have been better than him? And um, mm-hmm. he hadn't played as many games. Robbo's played more. He had more assists, more tackles and all this. And I was like, all the stats that actually matter. And I, I, don't, I don't really like going off stats all the time. Which, I mean, even if you don't and you just watch the two play, it's obvious that Robbo's better. Um, mm. But I, I, I couldn't believe that they put um, they put Chilwell in over over Robertson. But I think it's just one of them things again where everyone hates us, so they just put mm. it in to to get bites because they know Liverpool fans. You get interactions off them. 
Yeah, it is what it is. Um, moving on to another point. Um, obviously, we saw Naby Keita return to the team against Crystal Palace. And Ryan, obviously, when it comes to Keita, we have to uh, we have to come to you on it because you're like the... I think of you're course. the spokesperson of <laughs> Naby Keita fan. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, and stuff. I've been told yeah, I, someone someone told me that yesterday. Bubbles told me that in person. It's like all the all the Cater fans now. It's because of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a cult. But I think one of the things I wanted to say was like, when it comes to Cater, what I feel like happens is when when Naby Cater is playing and he plays well, I feel like we have our most dominant performances. Then would you would you say that that's the case? Yeah, I don't want to like disrespect the likes of Fabinho and Curtis Jones when they play, because we have played very well when they play too. But mm. I do agree to an extent that when Keita does play, we do tend to have very dominant performances. Like, I think arguably our best performance last season, Leicester away, Keita, was, Keita played that game. Um, mm. Leicester at home this season, Keita played. And mm. Arsenal, from a pressing, from a um, tactical perspective, was one of the be- best games in a while. Um from a lot of people that what they thought of us then, Kater played then too. So, yeah, it's it, it's like, I wouldn't say it surprises me because a lot of people know how good he is, but it surprises me when he gets backlash of good performances. Um, and I just think like, am I watching a different game or like, because I don't like to hype him up more than he is, but it almost forces you to because he gets so much unwarranted criticism a lot of the time from performance he was phenomenal on Saturday yeah yeah he was he was great um and I think I think the the word the way Naz said it there was um when he plays well I mean I I can't remember him ever really having a a bad game or at least a run of bad games he seems to always play well when he's in the team it's more the fact that he can't always stay fit which I know must be frustrating for him as well as it's frustrating for us but when he plays, we just look so like such a better team. Um, and I'm hoping that we're going to get a similar effect from Thiago as well when he gets a run of games. Um, they kind of, I feel like they're, they're similar players in a way. If they both play in that position, I think Thiago's more versatile and he can play um, further around. But mm. um, if Thiago plays uh, the same position as, um, as Kaida, I think we'll get a similar thing from him. And if we play both of them, God help anyone who we play against. <laughs> How big is how big do you think that this season is for Keita in terms of, I guess, his long-term future uh, at the club? He's been here over two years now. Um, like, do you think, like, do you guys think that it's, like, this season is make or break or, uh, you know? Not at all. I, I don't, um, sorry, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you speak in a second. But I, oh, see, fine, no I, I don't, I feel like, we're very like everything's very reactionary and stuff like that. But like we gave Henderson ages to settle into the team and he wasn't great and then he turned good. Why throw someone away who's clearly got so much talent just because like he's had a few bad injuries? Mm-hmm. If he continues this for the rest of the season and you know, maybe he picks up one or two more injuries and he misses seven games or something like that. If he then still plays the rest of the games, bearing in mind we've got all the rest of the Premier League and the Champions League as well. Um, picking up a couple of knocks, we probably won't miss him as much if we can mm. keep the rest of our midfield um, fit. Um, but I would never, ever think like, oh, we should be selling him. Because if you do go into this, that mindset, then how much money are you going to possibly get for him if we're actively looking to sell him? Because everyone's going to know that because you can see how good of a player he is. 
So we'll end up mm. not getting enough money for him and it will just be totally pointless and he'll go off to thrive and be good somewhere else. Why not keep him in the team, in the round the squad, because he's clearly more than capable of, um, of being in our starting eleven, and, and just keep him about and he could turn, end up being, you know, it could be a legend at the club if he keeps up these performances and he could like, if, if he can get a full season out of, out of Naby, he could easily uh, walk him um, to be a player of the season. Especially for Liverpool, maybe not the entire Premier League, but you know. What What do you think, Ryan? Do you think there's any? Do you think there's any kind of like threshold in terms of for Naby in terms of like how far it can go with him? Yeah, it's it's almost like he's still where he left off at the end of his first season, where it was a bit. He showed a lot of promise, but he wasn't. He didn't give the season where you think, yes, that's it, great, Liverpool have got the player that they signed. It's like, okay, he's got his injury. When he comes back next season, we'll see the best of him. And then that season didn't exactly go to plan and it's almost like that's been delayed to this season. And it's like every time he plays, he does play very well. But the only inkling I have is with how well Curtis Jones has played. Mm. And the reason, the reason I'm saying that is because if you have, say, let's say next season... Um, Fabinho, um, Fabinho as a midfielder again, and Thiago Henderson, um, a possible one out in replacement, because mm-hmm. I think Cater could fill that kind of role if Thiago's in the midfield, and then you're almost like asking of something different from the midfield three rather than what we've seen in the last couple of seasons. But you would want to play Curtis Jones when you can, and then maybe it comes to if you've got Thiago Fabinho, Henderson, a one-hour replacement, Curtis Jones, um, and then Keita and Ox, you'd probably want to keep Keita um, quality-wise. But when it comes to, okay, who's you going to get resale value from and who's are they worth keeping around the squad if they're not going to be available as much as you'd want, Keita might be the one that you could get good money for and maybe strengthen the squad somewhere else. But mm. I think if he stays fit and carries on playing how he does, there's no question he'll he'll carry on like showing people why Klopp's put so much effort into signing him and he should be here for the for the years to come. I think I think it is going to be like a an important season for him in that sense because and, and I think it'll be the case that it'll be judged at the end of the season, like you said, in terms of you know. Um, the thing is, this season, it's a bit different because of all of the injuries, all of the rotation. But if you look at it, if we have a normal season where we have relatively normal injury lists, you've got a midfield of, you know, Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago. You've got Ox coming through. You've got um, Jones, um, all of those kind of players. And, you know, potentially if Wijnaldum stays, whether we, that happens or not. You know, there's there's decisions to be made there because you can't keep all of those kind of midfielders happy during that period. So I guess that's one to kind of um, keep an eye on uh, for the future. Especially if we bring in Renato Sanchez uh, as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I think we'll talk about that a bit later. But one of the things I wanted to just touch on there, you mentioned, Ryan, Curtis Jones. And I wanted to just talk about his performance against Spurs because as a 19-year-old kid, um, you know, playing in a... In a title match, basically one, you know, a title rival kind of match, uh, um, he practically ran the show. Um, what did you think of his performance, and, and how you how you finding his um, his development so far this season, Ryan? I've been really, really impressed with him because it was 
I think a couple of years ago, I played against Wolves on his debut. And I know he was young and it was his first game, but he didn't give me anything to think he was going to be a serious fo- like Liverpool football club player. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, now he's grown, matured and learned a lot more. He, he, he looks like he's been playing in this team for years. And like, if, if everybody was a blank player, you didn't know who was who, you didn't know how old anybody was, he would not stick out in a poor way at all. And mm-hmm. he's defensively, he's, he's, he's just looked so mature because I'd, I'd have thought um, in the academy playing as attacking mid came maybe as a winger at times too. He'd look out of place off the ball and maybe get caught, caught out in possession a lot. But um, he just looks like he knows the position so well. And mm-hmm. I that's credit again to the coaching team for bringing players through the academies, knowing how he plays so well. Um, he, he looks like he will be a really, really good footballer. And it's just an exciting time for Liverpool from that perspective because we've got Harvey Elliott to tearing it up in the Championship. So mm-hmm. those two in the years to come, I think, will be a very deadly duo. Yeah, and Ryan, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Curtis Jones and, and uh, how did you find his performance? I mean, there was a point where he tried to pull out the party tricks against Spurs. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like I said, he just, he's just so confident and his his whole game is just is just so well rounded. Um, I've yeah, I don't think there's anything more I can say about him. He just looks like a really really good player, not yeah. even a prospect player as it is right now. So Robson, what about you? What did you think of his performance? No, his his performance was um, I think it was definitely his his best in a Liverpool shirt so far for me anyway. Um. I think it, it takes it often takes me a lot of times to warm to these um, youngsters. I'm often very critical because we've seen so many in the past be thrown in and it not work out very well. We saw Jordan Ibe, Danny Pacheco going a bit further back, um, David Engo, Flanagan, and people like that. So I'm always slightly more critical. Um, but he was fantastic, and he just put he put his he really just put his balls on the table and was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it, I seen afterwards that a lot of Man City fans were like, oh, well, it's fine. Fodden um, showed up against, against Spurs as well. And I was kind of like, what, we can't have two young stars that are good who are both English? Like, why does why is that matter? Why is that got to do with anything? And the fact that they're now already comparing them in that way and they seem a bit threatened by Curtis Jones um, turning good is uh, it's a positive sign because it proves that, as- that he's actually... Doesn't start Foden. Yeah, exactly. And Klopp, Klopp starts. I mean, it's probably because we've had so many injuries. But like you say, Foden doesn't always like Foden doesn't always start. Um, and I mean, Pep's going on about saying he's the most talented youngster he's ever um, like brought through. Whereas I mean, he, he had a lot to do with Messi as well. Uh, so it it was a big a big weight to put on um, on Foden's shoulders early on. And I guess yeah, he probably has showed it, and in, in some of the games I've I've seen him play, and he's been fantastic. But he, I've never seen him control a game and completely make a game all about himself like Jones did um, mm. on last Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, it's a very exciting time in terms of Jones' development and 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 how he's kind of uh, you know taken that responsibility, especially on, against Spurs. Um, there is. One slight negative that's been coming out over the next over the last few days, and um, obviously Mohamed Salah doesn't start against the Palace. There's this interview that's been going around in terms of him talking about being upset about the captain situation against Midland, which was 
which is really random because uh, I don't know, like that whole game was that whole game was just was just weird. And now this story has come out about him being upset about not getting the captaincy over Trent. Um, there's some whispers or you know some of the comments about you know wanting a new contract um, and talking to Spanish media about potentially moving to Barcelona and Madrid. Um, what do you guys think? Are you guys worried, or is this just a bit of negotiation happening in the media? Or is there something that we should be worried about in terms of Mohamed Salah potentially leaving Liverpool? I don't know. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Because last week there was talks of him potentially signing a new contract. Mm. And then all of a sudden it it seemed to turn very negative. Um, And I'm not going to lie, I haven't actually kept up with a lot of it because, to be honest, there's a lot of negative, like there's a lot of negativity around at the moment to do with life in general. The last Mm. thing I want to think about is Mo Salah potentially leaving Liverpool. So I haven't really paid a lot of attention to it. But I have seen bits from the interview and obviously the captain's thing I don't know how far you read into that though because I would kind I can understand it from him like he he feels he's a senior figure and he's um you know good enough to to be captain and bring out the best and obviously I think a lot of Liverpool fans like to see Trent as captain because it's like Gerard he's a local boy and stuff like that but I don't think the captain comment was as much of a worry as the whole Barcelona Real Madrid thing and I don't even think that's Salah's fault it was more the interviewer putting him on the spot but it's just those two Spanish names that always crop up whenever we have a good player and it's just you know it's irritating I'm sick of them stealing our good players you know and I think we've we've come far enough now for them to think you know Liverpool's up there with Real Madrid and Barcelona not that we ever weren't before but in terms of winning trophies we weren't that's just realistic really um but now we are, we're, we're competing a lot more. We've won a Champions League more recent than both of them. Um, and we know we're winning domestic titles as well. So why would why would he want to leave and go risk it after he's seen what happened to Coutinho and not so much Suarez, I guess, but um, other players that have left and not turned out as well. Torres is another example. Um, why risk it? Just stay and be a Liverpool legend and you know get a statue or stand named after you if you continue the way he's going. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't really, some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't make sense. We don't know, like in terms of, like like you said, how do you, where do you go after Liverpool now? Because there's not many clubs at the moment that are on a similar level, unless he's kind of just, you know, going for the prestige of playing for a Barcelona or a, a Madrid. Ryan, um, do, you, do you think it's something to worry about or do you think it's the, it's the case of, um, you know, it's, it's just a case of contract negotiations happening in public. Yeah, what's it? You know, so I think today Salah put the tweet out with the selfie. Mm. It just gave me a big sense of deja vu that I feel like I've seen this exact situation happen so many times since he's been here, where mm. you get almost a story out of nowhere um, about him being unhappy for one reason or another, where it's a fight with Klopp or... He wants to move to Spain or um, something with the Egyptian FA, anything like that. And then he puts out a selfie looking happy and everything goes back to normal within a week. I think mm-hmm. it'll be something like that, like something out of nothing. Because if you actually look at the quotes that um, I think it was um, his friend, Mohamed Abu Trika, if I pronounced that right, if not, mm-hmm. sorry, um, is, is, is pretty much just saying like, it's, it's just, pretty I don't know the word I'm looking for it's like it wasn't it didn't sound serious at all it was just like 
he wanted to be captain because it's good to have on your CV. An Arab being captain of Liverpool would be a huge thing. Um, he didn't look happy against Palace being on the bench. If there's any issues, it's important for him to get it known with Klopp and not keep it to himself mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I don't think it is as serious as a lot of the um, news outlets are making it out to be. But I do think at this point in Liverpool's um, rebuild with Klopp, the players know wherever they're going to go after Liverpool, where it's um, Spain or another team in England or anywhere, they're not going to get the same love that our fans give them. And that seems like something that they love most about us because we feel like we do a lot more things like with the social media um, side of it where the players are doing like meets with fans or like little funny videos and Bezzy series and stuff. And they're all like, they all just seem like they love the club and they love the fans and the, um, the affection they get off us. So I personally can't see him leaving um, under these circumstances at least anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, and and those quotes that you mentioned from Mohammed uh, Abu Trika, one of the things about it, um, like he's he's considered like one of the biggest legends in like he's considered the greatest Egyptian football player of all time. So it could have just been the case that you know Salah kind of confided him on, on him with him on something and uh, and that kind of stuff where it's just about you know getting that kind of information uh, or getting that kind of advice from from someone who's who's as big as him. So. Who knows? I mean, it, it, it could be much ado about nothing. It could be potentially the start of something quite quite horrible. But 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 you know, we never know. I think seeing that that selfie from Salah has, has helped uh, with it because usually when when these kind of things come around, uh, he knows what he's doing. It's kind of like a, a mixed signal to kind of show that yeah. that's okay in that sense. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Just talking about transfers, I guess the, another player that's looking to potentially leave. Is a Gini Wijnaldum. Um, obviously, he's he it still sign, sounds like like Simon Hughes has said this week again. It seems like most likely he's going to leave in the summer on a free. Um, and we've been linked with uh, Renato Sanchez as a replacement, um, which I think we've mentioned on the podcast a few times before. Uh, so we got the inside scoop, to be honest. So uh, <laughs> Anfield talk um, exclusive for you guys. That's what that's why you listen to us. And stuff, uh, but I just wanted to ask you guys what you guys thought about that link because it, um, there's a situation in Lille at the moment in terms of them, them needing money, so there could be potential for like you know cheap buys in terms of for quality as well. Uh, Renato Sanchez, um, potentially, and then there was even um, links to um, the Depay for five million euros as well, um, as a potential link. But I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about the Renato Sanchez links. I uh, I'm, I'm so for it. I'm a big fan of his, and I know he had that poor spell at Swansea, which is probably what a lot of the listeners might be thinking of. But um, surprisingly, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, of European football, but I have actually seen him play quite a lot, and I've kept an eye on him. I don't know why he's just someone who I I like the kind of look of as a player. Um, so I kept sort of tabs on him, and I'd, honestly, I'd be so excited if he came in. If he, I know videos on YouTube and stuff can be really misleading, um, but. Just go check out some of the the things, and I think you'll be really surprised at the kind of player he is. Mm. Um, and I just think he'll slot in so well. And especially if if Genie's leaving, it's it's hard to to replace that. So I think it would be. It's it's certainly not like for like. They're quite different um, players. He's, he's more like what Genie's like for Holland, if anything. Um, 
but it would just be it would be a good kind of replacement, I think. And he's obviously quite young. Um, it brings more youth to a squad because it is aging. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much all I can say. I said a lot about it on the last podcast, so check out that. I'm sure we'll clip it up and put it on the Twitter soon because especially if the rumours start getting a bit more serious. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. What yeah, you- yeah like, like you were saying, like looking at it on YouTube, I did that at work today after I saw the latest link with him come out. And it actually shocked me how similar he looks on the ball to Genie in terms of like resisting the press and looking after yeah, the ball yeah. when they're making a quick turn to get out of a situation. He uses his body really, really well. And another thing that was funny, you mentioned earlier about um, how we gave Henderson a lot of time to become the player that he is. Um, when Sanchez went to Swansea, he was, what, I think, just turned 20. Um, only had a couple, one or two seasons at Bayern. And it was an injury hit season for him as well at um, Swansea. He only played 12 league games because of injury. So it, was, it wasn't the year that he would have wanted and it probably stunted a lot of his growth as well, where Bayern might have just thought, OK, we can't, we can't be asked to look after this player anymore. We're going to move him on. And he's almost just like becoming the player that he was meant to be at Lille. Um, and... What the only time I, was, I watched him properly was the 2016 Euros, and it was absolutely phenomenal that tournament. Yeah, yeah. It was, I was unreal. I, I'm not, I didn't see like a young midfielder come in and do some of the stuff he was doing like that in a long time. So, for him to get the right, I say right coaching, but world class coaching under Klopp to mold him into whatever he needs to be in a 2021 Liverpool team, I think he's got the, the tools to be able to do it. And like you said, he's a bit like um, Genie for Holland, but he's got so many good defensive qualities and um, traits too. If he can just hone once like a certain set of his skills into, um, into what we need from one position for him, I think he could be a top, top player going forward. Definitely. And um, I think one of the things that we love at Liverpool is a uh, redemption story. So uh, I think don't... Um, don't kind of write him off in terms of that in that way and uh, we've seen with a lot of players how how we've changed their their, their narrative so to speak you know um, in terms of making them successful and, and and if Klopp gets his hands on the kind of the kind of talent that he has I think it could potentially be really good it's going to be a shame to see Genie go as well though um, I I would rather prefer he just stays for the next three four years and we win everything um, because Genie is such a vital vital part of 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 the club um you know i know that a lot of people were talking about taking him out in terms of getting tiago in in the summer but imagine if he wasn't here during this whole injury crisis his availability his consistency and performance is 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 absolutely uh, amazing and no matter what charlie says um (laughs) and stuff but yeah um cool um i wanted to touch on last night um, we had the Sports Personality of the Year award, um, and obviously at the Anfield talk, we kind of like we ended up just becoming a Jordan Henderson um, propaganda machine for like uh, twenty four uh, hours. Um, rightly so as well. Yeah, yeah, rightly so. Of course, we we love Jordan Henderson, and uh, he's our captain, and that's what we do. Um, obviously, he's missed out. How do, how do you guys feel about it? How disappointed. I was devastated, and I, it's funny. I went I went to my mom's to uh, round to see my mom today. Social distance, of course, you know, you've got to drop that in there now. But, um, and she, 
she was like, oh, I take it you weren't too happy last night. And I actually texted her, but she voted for Tyson Fury as well, which I was quite annoyed about. But <laughs> um, when Klopp came out and obviously said what he said about Man- winning Manchester and stuff like that, it was hilarious. Mm. Us winning Team of the Year, which I really didn't think we would win. Um, I think the was it Exeter, the rugby team, they won what is the equivalent of winning the Premier League and the, um, and the European Cup in one season. So I thought they might win it. I feel that really um, but uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, no one gives a shit about rugby, so it doesn't really matter. But um, I mean, we you know, Klopp said we were right for winners, yeah. and if Klopp says that, I agree with him. Um, and obviously, he won Coach of the Year, which is great. But uh, like, I I am quite a big F one fan, and have been uh, like a Lewis Hamilton fan since he came yeah. on the scene. Um, yeah, but, but driving a car around like an yeah. <laughs> is it a sport really? Like, it, I drive well, my around but i don't feel like it's a physical activity <laughs> yeah but i mean or am i just being ignorant i don't want to be a nerd i don't want to be a nerd and go into like g-force and stuff like that but the human body's not meant to go through what they go through but i mean i i love i, I do really like f1 and me and chris who's a writer for um for tat yeah, um, yeah. who does all the reviews we went to silverstone a few years ago and it was it was absolutely great um so you know i do have a i i said on twitter if henderson doesn't win it i want hamilton to win it but that didn't mm-hmm. stop me from being from shouting a few explicit words at the telly when it announced Henderson was second. Yeah, my mum had a guy at me from for for what I was saying once it wasn't Henderson. I had photo, I had photos taken with the shirt and everything already, like a proper like to milk it so much on social media, and then obviously it didn't happen. So I couldn't. I did end up posting the photo in the end because I liked the photo. But um, I think it's a I shame. think Ryan. I think uh, I think both. Both sportsmen have, have done some amazing work this year in terms of their sporting achievements. But, you know, we had Henderson doing the work with the NHS, getting the players together, yeah. um, all of that kind of stuff. And even Lewis Hamilton, you know, he's speaking out against, you know, you know, uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement, all of that kind of stuff. So either way, it's uh, it's it's one of those kind of things where it's 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 great to see either way. Yeah. Um... I wasn't too aware of some of the stuff Lewis Hamilton was doing before last night. So once like um, I found out about that, I was like, you know what, fair enough, um, give him his dues. But yeah, it's it's like what Tyson Fury said um, before the show. He doesn't need an award for him to know the good stuff he's done and what he's helped people yeah. um, do in the last year and, and beyond. Um, it doesn't need to be acknowledged by BBC. He's, he knows what he's done. People know what he's done. Mm-hmm. He's the people's champion, as he puts it. And that's the same way I look at it for not just Henderson, everybody involved. Like the stuff they're doing, they don't do it for the awards. So it's disappointing yeah, yeah. from our, our perspective that he wasn't recognised for it. I'm sure a small part of it, part of Henderson probably does feel a bit disappointed. But I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, he's just happy that he was recognised in any capacity for everything he's done. Not not just this year, but um, for for a long time now. Yeah, we yeah. take it really seriously in this country as well, like the Sports Personality Awards, and it is it is a massive thing. Like, and it's it's obviously it's an award not everyone can really win. You know, like there's so many good players in our team, but he, obviously he was the captain, and he's he's English, and it's an English award. He, to get nominated, it's not an easy thing. And I know Gerard came third in 2005 after winning the Champions League. Um, so, but to see Henderson win it, it would have been such an achievement personally for him, and it would have been great to see and for him to get that acknowledgement. But like you say, everyone who's nominated for it to be recognised by that award is is an achievement in itself. And I mean, 
Hamilton, you know, has won his seventh championship this year. He's equal Michael Schumacher's record. He overtook him on um, pole positions. I think he overtook him on wins as well. I may be slightly wrong. One of them may be wrong, but he definitely overtook him on on race wins. Um, And I'm pretty sure he did on poles as well. So, you know, he's had a fantastic year. If it was to lose to anyone, Hamilton has achieved an awful lot um, and has has done a lot for the Black Lives Matter um, community as well and the the campaign. Um, So, you know, it's it's fine. It's not really a loss in any way. Of course, we would have been great on Twitter just for for the fume that would have came around it. Um, For us at the Anfield Talk, I think... um... You know, we we dust ourselves off. We were kind of like Liverpool when we lost that to the title by one point um, against City. So it's Go just going to be angrier. So player of the season, the propaganda starts today. <laughs> we go again. We go again. Go again. We go again. Um, before we finish up, um, we we wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, the current situation at the moment in terms of COVID nineteen. We know that there's a lot of you know, there's new lockdown restrictions. Um, there's a lot of people that are unable to to celebrate Christmas, and and I think, I think this year especially, um, in terms of, you know, Christmas and 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 seeing your loved ones, all of those kind of, kind of things, it was a, it was vital that everybody had that opportunity to do so because it's been such a crazy year, um, it's been such a difficult time, and obviously this this news that's come out over the last week or so of further lockdown restrictions, especially in like London and the South East, I think it is. Um, yeah. I just want to have a little discussion about that in terms of, you know, I know Ryan, I, I think it affects you quite, you know, because you're, you're from those regions and stuff. Um, just to kind of like talk about it and, you know, maybe yes. let's say fuck the Tories, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like it's a bit shit, especially when they the last lockdown that we just had, with um, that was I think mainly tier three and tier two in different regions was mm. with the intent of, in inverted commas, saving Christmas. Um, it's almost like they're acknowledging that 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 didn't go to plan, and um, the it's just. I feel like us we're still where we are in March, where we don't know what's really going to happen going forward, and doesn't look like there's very good leadership um, from the government in terms of putting something in place that's actually going to help. Or mm-hmm. I say help, we had eat out to help out. Um, uh, looks like it was. Oh, I don't even want to t- talk about that. How bad that yeah. was, and it's mm-hmm. like, like going back to Emirates March. It's something that I could see happening because the government was so blasé about everything. Mm-hmm. But I've I've not heard um, the term herd herd immunity in quite a while. Conveniently, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which was like the government's biggest, almost as if they they found the term themselves and invented. The greatest thing of all time when they were talking about it. Um, I think Boris's quote was, um, "Loved ones will die," but I don't know what he said after that. So the only part I can remember of it, yeah. and they're still dying. Um, but yeah, I I don't really know what to say because it doesn't look like it's it's not even one step forward, two steps back. It's just like one step back every single time they yeah. they say something. I mean. Uh, yeah, kind of following on from what Ryan said there. It's just it it, nev- it never seems to be to be getting any better. You know, the vaccine came in and we we seem to be in a worse position now than what we were beforehand. Um, nothing again, just kind of <laughs> nothing's changed since March. Like 
to me, they've changed all these tier things and they've, they've gone to the tiers after the big lockdown. You know, I, I actually I sat there and was laughing the other night because I was like, remember in March when they said it would be three weeks? And it was kind of like, it was never going to be the case, really. But it's just not, it doesn't seem to be to be blown over. And I, I mean, I have no idea what the solution is at this point. And I have no idea what what's going to happen. I think the next year is going to be just as messed up as this year would be. We've talked about 2020 being so bad. I think 2021, dare I say, it could be just as bad, if not worse. Um, if we end up having to cancel sport and stuff again, we're just going to be back to, to square one. We haven't really moved from anywhere. And you see all these other countries like New Zealand and Australia. And I know there's all this stuff about like how they're not as dense as here. And um, there's more uh, areas of like everyone's more spread out and stuff like that. But it's just everything that's been being done mm. doesn't seem to be to be helping. They come out with new solutions and none of them work, if anything, to make things worse. Um, no one knows what's going on. Everyone's no one's getting a Christmas. Um, but it, again, after this year, that's that's happened. Not having a Christmas is just kind of the icing on top. Like there's been so much bad shit gone on this year that it's kind of like oh whatever, just kind of brushing it off now. I think I I personally think that you know like ten twenty years time or whatever it is when when like people study the the British response to COVID nineteen, they're gonna look at probably the worst. Uh, across the globe in terms of, of how it was handled from top to bottom uh, when we're looking at last year when it came to when it came to the the early warnings for COVID-19 uh, you know Br- Boris Johnson was on holidays he was avoiding Cobra meetings all of those kind of things and then obviously like Ryan mentioned in terms of the herd immunity that strategy initially that pissed me off and R- Robson you mentioned about New Zealand but if you look at when when New Zealand spoke about uh, the herd immunity the what the leader was saying at the time she was saying herd immunity means you're losing thousands and thousands of people and I as a leader I'm not going to live with that. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to stand for it. And you look at the difference in the approach between, you know, Boris Johnson and other leaders in the world. It's yeah. it's it's like night and day. It's complete yeah. joke. And I know that there's a lot of differences in terms of the response in terms of those countries, New Zealand, Australia, all of those kind of things. But England, Britain is a fucking island. There's no there's no uh, there's no borders or anything like that. So nobody looks at it from that point of view in terms of people coming in we could have closed it off a lot earlier if there was fucking any brains in that place that yeah. is downing street and stuff like that so and then everything else that's come about it eat out to help out has basically caused the that they're not able to have a christmas um you know people have been they've been promising a christmas for people uh, based on the fact that they're going to go into lockdown over november or, over these last few months but that's not happened as well so it's just a constant lie the constant bullshit people not being helped through the situation as well i think it's just it's 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 there's there's got to be a point where people are just fed up they had enough like even even people getting fed up to the point that they've they've stopped even with you know some of the restrictions and stuff like that i can understand it because there's only so much that people can take in terms of being lied to, being handled incorrectly, not being supported through all of this difficulty. Um, it's just uh, it's just an absolute shit show. Um, and, and and even with with what's happening now with the mutation, all of those kind of things, it's it's uh, it it's couldn't a- have came at the worst time. I don't think. Um, 
I mean, as, as much as I'm not a fan of people like David Cameron and stuff like that, I think Boris is the biggest imbecile we've had in charge in, well, certainly in my lifetime. Um, I, it doesn't. The fact the man can't even comb his hair before he comes out and make himself look presentable, and he obviously does it on purpose. It's just, it's it's just one of them tactics to make people kind of think he's a bubbling idiot, which is not what to me. I, I know it works on some people. To me, that's not what I want to do or who I want in charge of this country. We literally could have had Corbyn through all of this, like. Yeah. Uh, I know I rant about Corbyn a lot. I, yeah, well, I'm, I'm as much a pretty much a Corbyn fan as you are, to be fair. And yeah. I think I've just had this conversation with my stepdad literally before I came on here. That's why I was late on, uh, to come on. Um, basically, because he um, he was in the RAF and he thinks Corbyn was in bed with the IRA, as to mm-hmm. quote him, and he so he wouldn't vote for him. And he says he'll always vote depending on his his lifestyle and how how life's going for him, kind of thing, which is. I guess it is a selfish way to look at it because he's now working in Saudi Arabia um, and my mom's going to work out there as well. And so, I mean, it's not even really affecting him as much, but he said that if Corbyn had came in, he would have locked down. He wouldn't have let anything, any of the um, trades go on with Saudi Arabia. And then he would not have the job he has now, which would mean they wouldn't, my mom and him wouldn't have the lovely big house that they now have, mm. um, which is why he would vote which he said he hates because he's a working class um, person, or was anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, oh, do you wouldn't trade with Saudi Arabia? It's because at the moment, Saudi Arabia, um, the Britain, Britain have a trade arms trade deal with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the arms trade deal. Yeah. And yeah. that's where he works. He works for BAE. Um, so that's how it all kind of kind of ties hand in hand in my family. So it's quite a controversial one. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this is hopefully, um, this is hopefully, uh, hopefully, this can be an escape for some people, and mm. um, like you know, football is. Yeah, I think the last thing that we wanted to do was we just wanted to say Merry Christmas to all of our uh, the Anfield Talk uh, followers, our listeners. Thank you for supporting us. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Uh, we know it's a very, very difficult time at the moment, but um, Christmas. Ryan, do you want to say anything to our followers? No, same thing. Stay safe over this festive period of everything that's going on. Um, and yeah, DMs are open in case anybody needs anything on the Amphil Talk and my personal. Actually, no, not my personal one. I'd never check my DMs. Don't DM me. You're just wasting your time. <laughs> the Amphil Talk. Um, DMs are open in case anybody needs anything. Or just event and yeah hope everyone gets through this well yeah definitely uh yeah our dms are open if anyone wants to talk to you we are here for you guys um if anybody needs anything um hopefully have a good christmas have a good new year as well we'll see you after the west Brom game take care Bye.